Welcome to The Wonder, exploring perspectives, rituals, and observances of modern naturalistic, earth-revering, pagan religious paths. Here are your hosts, Yucca and Mark. Welcome back to The Wonder, science-based paganism. I'm one of your hosts, Yucca. And I'm the other one, Mark. And today is very exciting because we are actually going to be interviewing you, Mark, about a project that you've been working pretty hard on and has just passed a, a milestone. Right. I've been writing the the second Atheopaganism book and or or well, I'll get into details about exactly what it is, but I've been writing that for a year. And I just completed the manuscript and I'm ready to submit to Llewellyn, the publisher, mm -hmm. which is good because it's due on November 30th. So it need, needed to happen pretty soon. Hey, you're early. Yeah, a little bit. That's that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with, you know, what? Well, first of all, this is your second book, right? It's actually my third. Your third. Okay. I have a collection of poetry that I published in 2020 called A Red Kiss, mm -hmm. uh, but this is my second nonfiction book. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about what it is? Does it have a set title? It has a working title. Okay. I I hope that Llewellyn will find that to be an acceptable title. It's called Round We Dance, Joyous Living Around the Year and Throughout Life. Mm. Okay. And so it's a little bit different than the first Atheopaganism book. In the first book, there were essentially two sections. And the first one was kind of about my exploration of what a religion is and what it does for us and the science behind that and kind of leads up to leads up to the question of okay well if we were going to create a a religion tomorrow what would that look like how would we incorporate all scientific knowledge and critical thinking and still have those beneficial effects, those good feelings that come from rituals and celebrations and community and all that stuff. So that's the first section of the first book. And then the second section is about an implementation of those ideas, which is atheopaganism. Mm -hmm. So it explains about the principles and the four sacred pillars and the wheel of the year and a ritual format and all that kind of stuff. So that's the first book, the one that's already out and that uh, I'm sure a number of our listeners have. This book is a little bit more general in its audience. Okay. The, the idea here is that, you know, there's this flood of people who are leaving institutional religions. Hmm. The, the number is just climbing with every passing year. The number of people that self-identify as Christian in the United States plummeted by 12% over the last 10 years. Wow. So, and, and what most of those people are becoming is not some other religion. They're becoming what are known as nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Mm -hmm. Not not nuns like Catholic nuns. <laughs> nuns like, I'll have none nuns, of that. Nuns, yeah. Right. And... The nuns subdivide into several categories, some of whom are 
kind of hardcore anti-theists, many of them feel very burned by their religious experience and angry and hurt about that. You have other people who are just disinterested and feel like the values of institutional religions like Christianity don't resonate with themselves. They don't, they're not into the the biases and the, mm -hmm. the shaming and all that kind of stuff. And many of those folks are looking for something else. They're looking for something that adds meaning to their life, that builds community that they can share with, that's something that they can share with their families, that gives them a sense of purpose and focus and the kind of pleasure that comes from having rituals in your life, right? Mm -hmm. And atheopaganism is an answer to that. But this book is more about, the, the book talks about atheopaganism a lot, but, and it explains the atheopagan ritual format and the wheel of the year. Mm -hmm. But it's really meant for that broader category of people who feel something's missing and are working to find something that will infuse their life with more of that sense of meaning and specialness and wonder. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do you feel that it would be something valuable to people who do identify as atheopagans as well? I do because it's a much more how-to kind of book. Mm -hmm. The The first book was much more theoretical. This book has sections on, you know, examples of different kinds of healing rituals and different kinds of rites of passage and different kinds of ways to celebrate the holidays of the wheel of the year and a, a section on ritual arts, which includes things like making sigils and talismans and spell jars and candle magic and all those kinds of things as well. So there's a lot more sort of practical roll your sleeves up stuff in mm -hmm. this book that I think will really be of use to people in the Ethiopian community. Mm. That sounds like so much fun to write too. It was, it was. And that section that I just mentioned was particularly fun. Mm. All the, the different, you know, the, the different sorts of witchy ritual arts that people use in the course of implementing their their ritual practice right because they're fun even when they're even when they're meant to observe something very solemn there is a pleasure in implementing those kinds of practices hmm. which is part of why we do them right and why i offer them to people that don't have a ritual practice now as an example of things that they could do mm -hmm. mm. So you mentioned that atheopaganism is mentioned quite a bit in the book, but do you think yes. this is a book that somebody could give to a relative or a friend who has a religious practice that isn't necessarily atheopaganism, but still benefit from your book? Sure. So long as that person's just path isn't one that is exclusive. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of religious paths out there that say you have to follow our path and no other path but that, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's sinful or wrong or erroneous or whatever it is if you do anything else. I think there's a lot of activities in here and a lot of ideas in this book that can add to 
people's enjoyment of life. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody who is interested in kind of a deeper inquiry in living as a human could enjoy this book. Mm, okay. So maybe the the friend that is a pagan, but you know, they're kind of into the God thing or the fairies or that sort of thing, they would still have a lot to to get out of your book. I think so. Yeah. You know, there may be a couple of parts where they kind of bristle a little bit because I talk about critical thinking and, you know, I have my own position on that, right? But but by and large, you know, the the tutorial on how to make a sigil, that'll work for anybody. They believe about gods. So, okay. you know, I, I think all that stuff could, it, it, it'll still be a, a helpful compendium of information for people, I think, to kind of a one-stop place to go and look at how to do these things. Mm, okay. And so was there a favorite section of yours? You know, I have to say that ritual arts section was really fun to write. Just all the different cool witchy things that we like to do, you know, making potions and working with, you know, with written messages and sealing them with sealing wax and, you know, Mm -hmm. or burning them in a cauldron, cauldron magic, things like that, that you don't have to believe in anything supernatural about. And I'm very clear, like in the section on divination, I, I say at the outset, we have no evidence that fortune telling really exists. Right. But we do know that our subconscious minds exist Mm -hmm. and we can learn a lot more about the current situation, the present, by using complex symbol systems to sort of tease out what the thinking underneath our thinking is through the process of using these divination tools. And and once again, it's a really cool, evocative, aesthetic thing to do, but it also can have a real real emotional and spiritual value. So writing that section was a lot of fun. Nice. Well, it seems like a pretty a pretty big process to write not just that section but all of the sections. Was there were there any insights that really ended up surprising you that you had in your process of creating this book? Yeah, I'm I'm wondering about that. Um One of the things that I realized is that in talking about the wheel of the year, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a, there's a little section at the bottom of the discussion of the wheel of the year for people in the Southern hemisphere, Mm -hmm. because everything's flipped by six months, right? Their winter solstice is in June. Right. And what occurred to me is that in the course of describing the names that I've given to the stations on the wheel of the year, for, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it really doesn't make any sense to call the 31st of October May Day. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that doesn't work very well. So right. so I renamed it Summertide for the Southern Hemisphere. Summertide, um, okay. Which I think can work a lot better. Mm, um, okay. Yeah. Um, and I also renamed it in the first Athiopagan book and in, in the writings on the blog and all that kind of stuff. I've referred to the winter solstice as Yule, Mm -hmm. which is a Norse word meaning wheel. Mm -hmm. And I decided that, you know, I already made this decision that I'm not going to draw stuff forward from other various cultures. Maybe it would just be better to call that midwinter. Mm -hmm. Oh, in this book, I've called it midwinter instead of Yule. It's a small change. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, 
there's not there's brief descriptions of the principles and the four pillars just so that people understand what atheopaganism is but this is really a book about rituals and so it's much more you know implementation Mm-hmm. How do you do this stuff? How do you get yourself in the right mood? What is the ritual state? How can you cultivate the ritual state? What are the various phases that we go through in implementing a ritual? How do you prepare yourself before and, you know, ground and and reestablish yourself after a ritual? Um, lots of, of those kinds of things. It's a very practical book. Mm-hmm. And what was your process like writing it? Did you did you use any ritual to write or create the book? Well, it, it's it's kind of funny. We were talking about this in the Saturday Zoom mixer this morning. We're recording on Saturdays. We usually do. Um, what I ended up doing is I have a drop front desk, an old antique secretary that you you drop the that front you lift it down that. Yeah, you just you lower that down and then it becomes the shelf that you write on. Mm-hmm. And I was writing there with my laptop on the shelf. So what ended up happening was that opening that desk became mm. the ritual beginning of my writing periods. There were times it was very hard to make myself, you know, barricade myself in my room for four hours at a pop and just write. Right. But that was what was required. The book is currently at something over 56,000 words. The specs for turning the manuscript in were between 55 and 60,000. So getting there required a lot of effort, right. a lot of just yes. sitting for hours and writing things and then editing and editing and editing and editing. Mm-hmm. Tens of thousands um, of words. I mean, that's yeah, that's a lot of it's words. A, it's a lot of words. It really yeah. is. I mean, this this is this is a book. So that that ritual opening of the desk became the the symbolic moment when I clicked into okay, now I'm a writer, now I'm writing mm-hmm. mode. Now that the now that the work is done, I haven't opened the desk since. <laughs> I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to recalculate my my thinking about about what opening the desk means. Now you haven't worked with this particular editor before, right? So you don't really know, you know, how much they're going to revisions they're going to want or or things like that. I I have no idea, and I'm nervous. You know, for all I know, I'm going to get back, you know, 300 edits, and I'm going to have to read through every one, decide if I agree with them or not, fight over the ones that I'm really willing to fight for, and so forth. Yeah, I I. Honestly, I just have no idea of what that process is going to be like. But the book is projected to come out in the second half of 2023. Mm-hmm. So there is plenty of time yet, which, I mean, that sounds like a lot of time, but it's really it's not, not that much time <laughs> when you consider, you know, that we've got to get cover art together and finalize the whole manuscript, get it all laid out properly, and then start the marketing process, you know, Mm -hmm. because promotion starts before the book actually gets published. There's pre, uh, pre pre-release sales and all that kind of stuff. And because I self-published the first book, I'm really not familiar with those parts of the process at all. I'm really interested in finding out how that all works. Right. 
Yeah. So that's exciting because it's a very different process than, than what you've done mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I've talked about this maybe, maybe on the podcast before. I'm not sure. I will probably not make as much money on this book as I did on my self-published book. Sure. And the reason for that is that I actually get eight bucks for every copy of my book that gets of my first book that gets bought. I'll probably get something like 80 cents mm -hmm. <laughs> from these, but hopefully the the promotion and marketing and all that kind of stuff that the publisher will do will mean that a lot more copies get sold. Right. I made a deliberate decision that I wanted my ideas to get a lot broader distribution this right. time. Well, and, and, and there's course, a prestige that goes along with being published through a traditional publisher. Yes. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And now I'm kind of locked into them because in my contract is that they have right of first refusal of my next book. So they'll they'll get to decide whether they want to publish that one too. I can't get myself out quite that easily. <laughs> Do you so that was going to be one of my questions was what's next? Do you have another book on the I, do not have any idea about another book. Can you even think um, about it right now? I mean, mm -mm. <laughs> no, I mean, my guess is that if I were going to write another book, because this one has been really exhaustively practical, mm -hmm. probably be much more of a mythopoetic book mm -hmm. that would be poems and stories and, you know, kind of a kind of a walk into an Ethiopian world. Mm -hmm. of wonder and joy and experience and meaning but that's a long way off and i'm i'm certainly not going to open my desk now and start working on that i'm i'm taking a break for a while and you know dealing with these edits I, my work is by no means finished i'm still going to have a lot of work to do but this phase at least has been completed so that's exciting yeah i'm so i appreciate that you were willing to to you know do this kind of prequel promotional thing on the podcast. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the book again as it comes closer to publication time. We will. And we'll um, let everybody know, you know, when that, when that's happening and, you know, yeah. where to, where to pick it up when it happens. Do you know if there will be an audio component? Was that part of your discussion or contract? Um, I know Llewellyn does do audio books and I think it's probably a function of how many copies they sell mm -hmm. of a given book to see whether they would do an audio version or not. I know that they do that for some of their other better known authors. Right. I don't know. I, I, I think they have the option to do it in my contract, mm -hmm. but it's not guaranteed. Would this be a format that would work very well with audiobook since you have a lot of instructions and kind of recipe type things? Yeah, and actually there are a bunch of recipes. There's a whole section in the appendices on, you know, it's recipes for the different seasonal holidays, mm -hmm. you know, things that would go well at that time of year. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I I don't know that that's necessarily the, the best way to absorb this information because mm -hmm. listening to someone reading recipes is probably not the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I ask because, you know, motivating kind of time. I love audiobooks and I suspect a lot of our listeners or on a podcast right now, you know, may enjoy that as well. So it's always interesting to see if that's a, if that's a possibility, if that's standard, you know, 
how that works. Right, right. Yeah. I would still very much like to get my first book in audiobook form. I don't know how I can do that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's my next project. Maybe it's just, you know, me me sitting with audacity, reading my first book and getting that into shape where it can be released as an audiobook. I do know that there will be digital versions of this book released as well for the Nook and the Kindle and so all that. It's available as an ebook then. Okay. Yes. So people don't have to get the physical book. They can just that's right. Get it on whatever device they're more most comfortable with. Uh-huh. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited. Two months ago, I was sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, oh, I was so ready to be done with the writing, but I, I got another spurt behind me and, and now it's done. So yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. Well, congratulations, and Mark. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I want to thank everybody who's encouraged me to write it too. You know, a lot of folks from the community have really urged me to write a follow-up that's more hands-on mm -hmm. and that's this book. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. So, so the book no is, book on oh. the, no book on the immediate horizon, no fourth book, but what else is your, you're a busy person. What's, yeah, what's and I do horizon? have a job, which is kind of scary because when I do get a job, and it is a when, it's not an if. The then I'm I'm really going to have to be very careful about my time management in order to juggle everything that I've taken on. And of course, you know, in the Ethiopian community, we welcome volunteers to help <laughs> with stuff. You know, the volunteers we have are wonderful people, and they're really, really helping things to, to blossom in our in our community what we it, what we're doing on the Ethiopian society council coming up in january because we meet quarterly is we're going to do a strategic plan for the organization for the next three years or so mm -hmm. and i think that's really going to focus down the priorities of what i need to work on and what other people need to work on in order to advance the goals that we set yeah. And I don't know what those goals will be yet. I imagine a lot of it will be about, you know, reinforcing various kinds of support for the existing community rather than a lot of focus on expansion. Mm -hmm. We've um, done a lot of expanding in the last few years. We really we have grown so much. Yeah. Yes. And I want to make sure that people have the training, the classes, the materials, the resources, the, the stuff. Yeah. All that, that support. Will, yeah, that, that will help support them as they develop their practices. So so that that's my idea of a, of a main goal. But we'll talk about it in January and see what we all come up with. Yeah, which yeah. is just just around the corner. <laughs> it It is. Um, yeah. I sent out an outline about how the strategic planning process works to the members of the council maybe 10 days ago, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And hoping everybody gets a chance to take a look at that before we start in so we don't have a, a five-hour meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so here on the podcast, we have a few more interviews coming up, and then we're right into the solstice season. So we'll have a lot right. about that. We're going to have interviews with members of the Ethiopian Society Council, sort of, they'll be interspersed amongst other 
episodes. Mm -hmm. Next week, we're talking with Michael Halloran, which should be a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to that. There are other folks who are too busy until after the holidays. And so, you know, we'll be talking with them probably in January. Mm -hmm. So, you know, stay tuned. We'll, we'll, we'll get around to, to most of the council members at one point or another. Um, uh, just give it a wait. Yeah. And of course, along with all of the seasonal and holiday and you know, yeah. yeah, dark and cold themes of the year and all of that good stuff. So, uh-huh. Yeah. So the book is called Round We Dance. I always, I, I changed it early on. Joyous living around the year and throughout life. So Round We Dance, Joyous Living Around the Year and Throughout Life. A book about spirituality and rituals by Mark Green. That's mm. that's what the book will be. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited. It's I can't believe it's my third book. Yeah. That's just that's in a very so short period of time. You've been busy. Right? Yeah, it's true. I started in on the first book in 2018. Mm -hmm. So yeah, not so long. I mean the poetry book was easy to pull together because I'd already written all the poems. Nemea had already taken all of the photographs that we used to, to illustrate the book. Mm -hmm. So it was basically just a matter of doing the layout and then the self-publishing. But the other two have been quite a lot of work. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to working with Llewellyn and seeing how that process goes. Yeah. So shorter episode this week folks, but thanks for listening. And I hope that you're sufficiently interested to, to anticipate this book being released. And we'll be back next year with, no, next year. We'll be back <laughs> next, next week. week. It feels like. <laughs> next, it does. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back yeah. next week to talk with you more. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you.